Hey there, thank you for watching online with us today with literally people from all over the world. We're so thankful you've joined us. We hope that these messages are a blessing and an encouragement to you in your walk with Christ. However, these messages are only meant to be supplemental. They are not to take the place of a local body, a local church, or a local pastor. And so, if you live in the Middle Tennessee area, please come to one of our local campuses, connect with us, worship with us, and be a part of that local gathering. If you aren't near the Middle Tennessee area, reach out to us via Facebook or Instagram or email. And we want to connect you with a gospel-centered, Bible-believing church near you that's going to help you to find life and live sin. Again, thank you for watching online with us today. We're prayerful that these messages are a blessing in your walk with Christ. God bless you and thank you for watching. If you've got your Bibles, we are in John 6, and um, we're getting back in this series called Jesus because we've been walking through sporadically. We, you know, we've kind of hit John in segments in this semester, uh, but we're, we're jumping back in to John 6, uh, starting in verse 16, what Kurt read this morning. We've just been in a three-week series called My House, and if you want to know, if you're a guest here and you're like, what's this church about? What's God doing here? What's he doing in the life of this church? I encourage you to go watch those sermons online, three sermons, and you kind of see how God is really moving in the life of our church to encourage families and households to say, as for me and my house, we will serve and worship the Lord. And so that's kind of where we've been. And before that, uh, we were in John, uh, the beginning of John 6, where Jesus uh, takes uh, a kid's Happy Meal and feeds 20,000 people. And so uh, that's where we were before uh, today. And so now we're moving into the next kind of, now all of John 6 kind of runs together, and and we'll kind of see that probably more so next week, Uh, but you have the feeding of the 5,000, and then this week you have him uh, walking out to his disciples on the, on the water. And so I'm going to read it one more time uh, for us, just uh, as an encouragement again. And um, uh, 16 through 21 says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong because a strong wind was blowing and when they had rowed about 3 or 4 when they had rowed about 3 or 4 miles they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened but he said to them it is I do not be afraid then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. All right, a lot of stuff going on here that I want us to kind of walk through and, 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 and kind of deal with. Uh, first thing is Capernaum was kind of Jesus' home base for ministry. You know, he had three years of public ministry, and Capernaum was where he did a lot of that. The Sea of Galilee and, and Capernaum was really uh, home base for him, and, uh, and, and it's on the northern shore of the of the Sea of Galilee. Matter of fact, if you get the chance to go to Israel with us in February, you will be able to ride a boat on uh, on the Sea of Galilee. You'll be standing around and watching where Jesus did a lot of his his ministry around the 
Sea and, and uh, you know, where the disciples would have been fishing and, and all of that. And, uh, and so this, this Sea of Galilee, it's about eight miles wide, 13 miles long. And the interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee is it's 600 feet below sea level. And so, uh, man, th- this causes a lot of quick temperature changes, climate changes to happen really kind of all of a sudden. And so maybe you've been reading the Bible and, and you've kind of seen how many storms will come on the Sea of Galilee. And you're kind of like, why don't these guys learn? Like, don't row the boat around, around that time. Yeah. But no, these storms would come on them very quickly and, and, and all of a sudden. And so it would catch them by surprise, even experienced fishermen as they're kind of uh, out there on the sea. And matter of fact, when the disciples got in their boat, which is not like a, a huge vessel, it was more of like a small, you know, small uh, little boat. They get on this thing and the sea was probably calm. The weather was probably nice. And they start rowing out uh, to where they're going, which is about a four mile, uh, a four hour trek to get across the sea to where they're trying to get to. And uh, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the storm comes and uh, basically throws the left hook right in the, you know, right to the, the disciples. And they're kind of starting to freak out. They're in the middle of the storm and uh, middle of the night, completely dark, which is when most storms happen anyway, right? Like, I feel like all storms happen at night when your kids are tucked into bed and here comes the tornadoes. Anybody else? Like, you're watching the weather and you got to make a decision. This is a moral dilemma, right? It's like she's losing her mind on the, on the, the news anchors losing her mind saying you should already be in your bathtub get in the closet hide the dog and you're like I don't know it can just take us I don't want to wake up my kids <laughs> you know like it's just this moral dilemma right and then she's freaking out losing her mind right after you get the kids out and get them in the closet because she's finally convinced you that you're about to you know the house it's not Kansas anymore right totally like you're in the closet and then she goes it's over you got to be kidding me. (laughs) At least make this dramatic, right? And so you're trying to put the kids back to bed. You know, just crazy. That's how all storms happen, right? Well, that's exactly what happened to this disciple there in the middle of the sea, comes out of nowhere. They start kind of losing their minds, freaking out a little bit. And and so from this passage, I want us to get two things. The first thing I want us to get is that, uh, that life is full of storms. Like, Here's a physical storm they're having on the sea, but really I want us to apply what's happening here to kind of life and uh, the storms of life. Uh, you know, many of you walked in here and you're going, you're, you're kind of like disciples right now. You're on a boat and the, and the storms of life are, are, are throwing left hooks at you and you kind of just being tossed to and fro by the waves uh, of life. Uh, but, but, but storms uh, uh, come, right? Life is full uh, of storms. And I want to I just put us a little bit in the situation of the disciples here because you have to remember, uh, they had just been with Jesus when he took the Happy Meal, fed 2,000 people, like, yeah, 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 their bellies are full. And Jesus sends them on a boat to cross the sea and Jesus stays behind. You got to imagine that they're feeling really full of themselves at the moment. Right? They're like, man, this is awesome. I, you know, we're, we're on the in crowd. We, you know, like Jesus really loves us. He, he used us to feed 20,000 people. Like things are going really good for us. We, 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 we are on, on the inside track with God himself. This is great. And then, boom, here comes this storm rocking their world. I imagine that the disciples had a why me moment. Why us? 
aren't we, aren't we Jesus' homeboys? Aren't we like on the in crowd? Aren't we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Aren't we making life decisions that are the life decisions you're supposed to be making? Like, no, I don't understand why we would be put in the middle of this storm. But don't we all do that? I do it. It's very easy for us to when something hits us in the mouth, when life takes a punch at us, to begin thinking, God... I'm going to church, put my kids in, I'm, 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 I'm working hard, I'm, I'm doing all, I feel like I'm walking with you, I feel like I'm reading my Bible, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Why me? God, I'm, I'm a pastor, I preach every week. Why me? Why me? We've all been there, man. We've all been there. And uh, as much as we'd like to avoid storms, since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, storms are unavoidable, regardless of your life decisions for the most part. Some, some st storms are brought, brought upon you by your life decisions, but the storms that come, um, whether that be you know, loss or disease or whatever that may be, that, man, they just come. They come for us all. And if you've been able to avoid them up to this point, uh, well done. I mean, but they're coming. Storms uh, are here to stay for, for all of us. And so, so here are the disciples. They just saw the big miracle, and now they're on the storm. They're being tossed to and fro. They're thinking they're going to die unless they're really, really good swimmers. And they're asking to themselves, why us? And, and then... And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, when you get into this mentality of why us, you begin to think, and, and this is a temptation for us, because when we ask that question, why us, we are, we are putting onto the gospel something that is not the gospel. Meaning that whether we intend to or not, we are putting on the gospel that because I'm a Christian, things should be comfortable for me. Right? It's like this sub uh, you know this subculture of health and wealth and like by the way if there's any preacher that ever preaches to you that being a christian will make you more healthy and make you more wealthy that is a false teacher and you need to run and, and because the reality is if you look at the bible if, if you if you look at the scriptures look at the disciples right here are men they're in the storm they're in in the boat they whatever they're jesus homeboys right all of them, save one, well, and the betrayer, all of them, save one, died a martyr's death. So could you imagine the disciples saying, I thought I was supposed to, you know, be comfortable. I thought I was supposed to be healthy or wealthy. I thought, I thought be, me being a follower of Jesus was going to make life grand for me. But they all died. They were all murdered for the sake of the gospel. And then you can look at the life of Paul. Paul, who was beaten so many times, flogged, whipped, uh, he, he was stoned, uh, he, he was left for dead, he, he, he was shipwrecked, and then, then he's reaching by to grab a stick to put on the fire, he's bit by a snake, at that point you're just like, come on, <laughs> right? Like, here's Paul's life, who's like, 
obviously, you look at the page of this scripture, and you look at the men in in, in this Bible, and what you're not going to read in there is, Jesus wants me to have a bigger house. Amen. You're not going to see that, because that's not the gospel. Now, if the Lord blesses you, he blesses you, but the gospel is not come and get healthy and rich. The gospel is come and die. And everything the Lord gives you, use for the gospel and sharing that gospel. Come and die. And and so here are the disciples on on the boat in the the middle of a storm needing Jesus to show up and, and do something. And I can't help but think that there's many of you, you walked in here just like that. You walked in here in the middle of a storm. Your marriage might be on life support. Your kids might be going buck wild. Your finances might be you got more month at the end of the money. You might have gotten a bad doctor's report. You just came in here and with this, riding the waves of a storm. And I, and I think what Jesus is trying to accomplish here in 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 with his disciples, and something we can learn from the story here, the disciples, is the second point. Yes, life is full of storms, but Jesus is in control of the storm. Jesus is in control of the storm. Now, this story is documented in Matthew and Mark as well. In in Matthew's account, in Matthew's account, Matthew says that immediately after feeding the fifteen to 20,000 people, Jesus made them get on a boat. Jesus made them get on a boat and go to Capernaum, right? So he dismisses the, ca- the, the crowds. He's going to go away to pray. And he says, all right, boys, get on a boat and go. Point is, the storm didn't surprise Jesus. He knew it was going to storm. More than he knew it, he ordains it. And he has purpose in ordaining it. So he puts them on, on this boat and, and, and you know, he, he's, he sends them out as part of, a part of the plan, not just allowing it, but ordaining it, orchestrating it, putting them on the boat, knowing the storm's going to happen, bringing the storm upon them. And, and, and to, the, to, the disciples, to the disciples, the storm looks terrible, right? It looks real bad. But to Jesus, it's all part of the plan. He's working something in them for their good, which if you're walking through a storm, I want to give you a scripture that you need to memorize. You need to commit this to memory and let this uh, be, just be in your heart. But it's Romans 8, 28, which says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Let me read that to you again a little slower. And we know that in all things, in the Greek, uh, that word all means all I went to seminary. <laughs> and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say all things are good. But even in the storms, God works through all things for the good of those who, who love him. There's nothing arbitrary or out of control. Nothing just happens. Everything has a purpose. 
Now, we may not understand all the purposes of it until we get into heaven, but everything has purpose in the hands of God. So Jesus is using this storm to teach his disciples something that they couldn't learn outside of the storm. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to look at his disciples and say, I control the wind and the waves. I'm God. And the disciples are like, uh-huh. It's another thing to show them. And they wouldn't have learned that lesson outside of the storm. This is the same thing. God may be putting a storm in your life to teach you about him. And you, a lesson that you wouldn't learn otherwise were it not for the storm. And so he, he's got his disciples and he's teaching them this lesson and bringing this storm upon their life, sovereignly bringing the storm on their life because it's what they needed. They needed to learn about Jesus. They needed to learn that he controlled all things. They needed to learn that he was God. He's Lord of all. And so he taught them with, with the storm. Matter of fact, in Mark's account, uh, it says that it says that Jesus, I love this. It says that Jesus saw them struggling mighty with the, mightily with the storm. When it says that Jesus saw them, you know where Jesus was? He was still on the shore. They were miles out into the sea. He saw them. He's like, oh, yeah, they're freaking out. This, this is what I thought they would do. <laughs> right? I knew they would do. Right? And then he just starts walking on water. Come out to them. Right? He says, I saw them. I saw, I, he saw them struggling mightily with, with the sea. And so, and so then he goes out. Obviously, um, storms brewing, disciples' lives in, in danger. Jesus comes walking out on, him, on the water. And then he says something really cool. He, he, he says to them, if you remember uh, in verse 20, he says to them, It is I, do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. I'm here. I'm, I'm God. I'm in control. He's teaching them again that they can trust him because he's Lord of all. If you remember, let me give you some context to this, this phrase, it is I. If you remember in Exodus, the Exodus story, uh, God's people in slavery for 200 years. God responds to them crying out and sends a deliverer, Moses. Well, he's calling Moses into the ministry, and there's this burning bush that doesn't, that isn't consumed. Remember the story? You, you've all seen Prince of Egypt, right? And so there's Moses, and here's God from this burning bush, and, and he's calling out to Moses, and Moses is freaking out as any of us would do in that moment. He's like, no, you can't send me, God. I'm a stutterer. I'm not good. Why, why me? I can't go back there. All these excuses. And then Moses asks a great question. He says, that, he says to God, uh, who am I to say is, is, is sending me? Who, who am I to say is, is sending this message to free, to free your people? And God says, tell them, I am sent you. I am that I am. Simply means to be. It means God is. And that's what it means to be God, is that you just are. You are in your full mighty might, in your, your full glory, you are just God. I am that I am. And so when Jesus, the little context here, when Jesus is walking out to his disciples on the boat back in John 6, when he speaks to the disciples, what, what the Greek translation is, is making a point here where it says, it is I, what it really is saying is I am I am that I am. 
So here's the point that he's teaching his disciples. He's reminding them, these these. Uh, of Jewish descent men who would have been very familiar with the Exodus story, very familiar with I am that I am. Uh, and so when he comes out and he says to them, I am. They understand what he's trying to do in that very moment. He's saying to them, he is in control. He is God. There is no storm that has power over Jesus. There is no storm that has power over Jesus. But it is I. Do not be afraid. So he's encouraging and bringing this lesson to the disciples, but I think obviously we can take a lot of application in our life in the middle of your storm. Jesus, though he may feel far far away to you, he is not. He's very near to you. And Things may seem out of control, but they are not. God is in control. Things may seem like like, like you are out of the hand of God, but you're not. Matter of fact, John 10 says, and we're going to preach this in the future sometime, Lord willing, when we get to John 10. It may take another year, I don't know. But John 10 says that you as a Christian, you are in the hand of Jesus, which is in the hand of God. There's no storm that has power over that. There's no thing in life that can be thrown at you that can mess that up. There's no trial or temptation or or bad news report that can shake that foundation. God has you. Jesus has you. And our God, who's greater than all storms, so great over them that he controls them, he says, it is I, do not be afraid, I'm with you. I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust me. You can trust me. So obviously he's, he's teaching his disciples here that yes, life is full of storms, but God is ruler over all. He's ruler over all the storms, no matter how big the storm is. Now for us, you know, uh, everybody's uh, storm that you came in here with, it's big, right? It's like there's, there's no minor surgery when it's your surgery, right? It's like, I got to get my tonsils out. You know, someone over here is like, big deal, right? But to you, it's like, I'm getting everybody praying, right? There's no minor surgery when it's yours. It's the same thing with a storm, man. There's no minor storm when it's, when it's yours. But no matter how bad your storm seems, no matter how big the waves are, or how much the boat is rocking, or, man, how out of control you feel like life has gotten, you need to remember that Jesus, who walks on water, who calms storms, who has the power to raise up Moses and use Moses to bring his people out of 400 years of slavery, sending plague after plague after plague to rescue them, bringing them to a sea, splitting the sea, and walking his people through on dry ground. And when storms came for the people in the desert, and they complained about, we're going to starve out here. God says, I'm going to rain down bread for you. And when they started complaining about, we're going to die of thirst out here, God. He brought water from a rock. 
God is in control of all. And then Jesus, who walks on water, who feeds 15 to 20,000 people, who heals a man's son from 20 miles away. And the power uh, that raised Jesus, who was put in a tomb after he died, raised Jesus from the dead, that power has us in his hands. What can life throw at us that is more powerful than him? Nothing. Nothing. He's Lord over all. He's in control over all. Storms don't detract from God's power. They validate his power. We run to him. And even if the storm of our life ends in us dying, our Lord is even bigger than death. He has defeated death in the grave. You don't think he can handle your checkbook? Your diagnosis? Your children? He works for the good of those who love him. There's not one circumstance that he's not working together for our good. And we may not know what that good is, like I said, until heaven. But remember, this isn't the story of Jesus um, sleeping in the boat and the disciples, you know, freaking out and saying, Jesus, wake up. And he wakes up and he calms the storm. This, this isn't the story of Jesus calling Peter out to walk on water with him. This is a story of Jesus walking out on the stormy waters and getting in the boat. And then there's this whole Star Trek teleportation thing where they just immediately arrive at land. Did y'all catch that? That was cool, by the way. Don't know if they were there or he just said, all right, I'm done with this. Let's go. In that particular instance, he doesn't calm the storm. He walks on the water and they immediately at the land. He gets in the boat with them. He gets in the boat with them and brings them to the shore safely. Our God is mighty and powerful and in control of all storms. There is nothing that life can throw at us that is bigger than him. Nothing. And we, as the people of God, listen, we're going to suffer. We're going to go through storms and suffering. It's going to happen. We're not immune from that because we're believers. Matter of fact, we'll go through double the amount of storms because we're walking countercultural to the way the world is going. So we're going one way, the world is going this way, and they're hurling stones at us because we stand on the Bible, because we have principles, because we're holding up the cross of Christ saying, come and die. And say, no, 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 we don't want that. And so we're going to have double the suffering and persecution. That's why Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you also so we're walking in this life full of suffering but there's nothing that life can throw at us that is bigger than our God nothing church this is why you can have a peace that passes a peace that passes understanding that doesn't come from 
all right, I'm going to work a little harder to try to have peace. I'm going to, I'm going to, if I do these checklists of things, I'm going to have peace. If I do, no, 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 this comes from just falling into the arms of your Savior. And we don't have to understand everything. But we say, we trust that you work together all, from, from all things good for those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. We know, God, that you are in control of this storm and of our life. We know, God, for me to live is Christ, come what may, and for me to die is gain. That's the gospel. That he worked and has power over our lives that brings peace and a joy that is out of this world can't be manipulated or manufactured. It is God-given. And we can weather whatever storms because we're holding on to the anchor that is Christ. We're holding on to him. Now, I want to close with um, a story. Uh, and a guy named Horatio Spafford. Maybe some of you know, uh, he wrote a, a, a famous song that we're going to sing after this that you probably know, but let me tell you about his story. Uh, Horatio was a businessman. He was an attorney in Chicago, a successful businessman. Um, but him, he, he had a wife, Anna, and uh, they had five kids, uh, but they were not uh, unfamiliar with storms. Matter of fact, they, lost, they had four girls and one boy. They lost their boy to pneumonia when he was a young, young boy. And... Uh, he died uh, from pneumonia. And then um, in the, uh, the great Chicago fire of 1871, yeah, 1871, uh, Horatio lost his whole business. So lost his son pneumonia, lost his entire livelihood, his business. And, uh, and then a couple years later after the fire, November 21st, uh, 1873, Anna and their four girls are going to travel to Europe. And um, they, they get on a French ocean liner called uh, uh, Ville du Havre. Don't make me say that again. And they're, they're on their way to Europe. And Horatio is staying back to take care of some business. And he's planning on joining them a couple months uh, later. And, uh, or about a month later and, and join them in Europe. Well, about four days into the trip... Uh, the uh, French ocean liner collided with a Scottish ship, and um, it took about 12 minutes for the ship to sink. Uh, and then a sailor rowing around just the wreckage saw Anna floating on, on, a, on a piece of wood on a, uh, from the wreckage, and uh, all four daughters had drowned with the ship. They went down with the ship. And so the sailor pulls Anna in, and they, they, they get to Wells, where she um, wires Horatio. And she says two words, saved alone. A telegram that Horatio would eventually um, frame and have in his office forever. And so obviously Horatio, he gets the next departing ship, uh, to go be with his uh, grieving wife. 
And he's, he's, he's traveling out, and on the journey, four days into the journey, the captain calls out to Horatio and brings him into the, the captain's cabin. And he says, hey, this is, we are directly above where the ship sank, where your daughters died. And Horatio pulls out pen, and uh, he begins to write a song. And this is the song he wrote. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. And my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. And then here are two verses that we don't often come across that I want to read to you. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan shall above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine. For in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Our trump, O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. And the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. I'm a, that doesn't happen without Jesus. That peace that passes understanding, it passes my understanding. That doesn't happen without Jesus. Whatever storm you are weathering or will weather. Jesus is an anchor in so much, though, that we can stand in the midst of the waves and say, come what may, it is well with my soul. Whatever will come, it is well with my soul.
Let's pray together. Father, help us to believe. Help our unbelief. So often, Father, we put our eyes upon the waves and sit on the one that's in control of the waves. And we're more concerned with wellness of situation than wellness of soul. Continue, Father, to show us that you are Lord of all, sovereign over all, in control of all. There is no storm greater than you. There is no storm out of your hands. And that you work all things for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. We love you, Jesus, and we need more of you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.